Uh, welcome to Shuttered Care Stulip, everyone. The podcast is non-reformed and non-reformed at the same time. We have missed a couple of uh, probably three episodes played because our first co-host, he is all the way in Israel finding the Ark of the Covenant. And Zach, uh, what's your last name this time? We never know. I- I'm still trying to find that out right now. And um, Hey, but I, w- I do want to say this about missing the three episodes. We're used to playing from behind, but we're coming for you. Whoever you are listening to this, we're coming for you. We're bringing you the good stuff. Yeah, these episodes are up like 3-1, lots of warriors, but we know who's going to win in the end. That's right. Speaking of, what is your prediction for the finals coming up? What are you, what are you feeling about this? I'm going to go 4-2 warriors, Steph Curry MVP. I'm actually going to go 4-2 warriors as well. I think the Cavs might win the one tomorrow night, but after that, it's going to be uh, it's going to be a tough road for the Cavs. I don't think it's going to go well for them. I I think that um, Steph Curry had he's ultra competitive. That's what Bimani Jones would say, and I think he's a little upset that he could or could not have been injured last year. So I think he's going to show out. I'm trying to calculate how many threes he'll have in the series. Okay, here we go. Over or under the amount of threes for Steph Curry. At, 16 and a half. I'll go with the over on that. Okay, 18 and a half. I'll still take the over. Okay, I'm I'm leaning towards 20. That's four wow. game or something like that. I can't wow. I can't do math, so. Okay, we can both be right. That sounds good to me. Yeah, well, you know, we're both not reformed, so Hey, we're off to a good start then. Hey, we're off to a good start. Okay, we need to find something to disagree on. But uh, this week, we are going to start a a special series that no one knows about. Um, Some smart people will be able to pick up what we're doing, hopefully, by the end of it. But we are looking at Genesis 15 tonight. Uh, Genesis 15 is about Abraham. Um, It's about after after uh, God has called him out of his land and now we're here and Abraham is still kind of confused because back in Genesis 12, in Genesis 12 God said, I'm going to make you the father of many nations so your seed can bless all families on the earth. And he hasn't had a kid yet. Do you have any insights about uh, Genesis 15 before we start reading the text? Um, I think there's a... Um there's something that we need to talk about as far as the difference between a covenant and a promise. Um, I think, uh, I think there's a a big difference between the two. I don't know in Corey words how to say that. Um, I don't, I don't know if, uh, there's probably a Greek term that no one uses anymore, but, um, I, I do know that, uh, promises are, are much, much different. Covenants were something that, uh, that were, that were very binding. It was a, it was a sort of deal is what it was where um where you would keep up your end of the bargain no matter what and i would keep up my end of the bargain no matter what your promise was to your end of the bargain so to speak does that make sense that makes that makes sense so why if i if we made uh if i made a promise to you oh there are things that in a covenant that are binding on the person so we will see uh, God and Abraham make a covenant together in this story. Another thing, and I just stumbled through that. I don't even, even want to touch it. Another thing that I want us to notice about 
about Genesis 15 is this. When we're reading the book of Genesis, any book of the Bible, you have to realize that the author has made specific uh, choices as to what history they can tell. Like Abraham has a ton of history that we don't know about. So why did the author choose this book of Ab- or this story of Abraham? Why did the author choose these points to bring out? Because we're we're about to see we're about to see a promise or a covenant made between God and Abraham, and we will see. Uh, and I want us to tie that back together to the promise made to Abraham beforehand and what's going through Abraham's mind at the time. So just keep that in mind. Why did the writer of Genesis choose to put this story in there with these um, with these amount of information? Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I guess we can start off by identifying that this is Abram and not mm-hmm. Abraham. But- yes, he's Abraham now. <laughs> like... He will always be Abraham, but yes, right now this is Abram receiving the promise. I know. I just couldn't let you slide on that because you wouldn't let me slide on that. I know I wouldn't let you slide on it because when we read the text, it says Abram, does it not? It does say Abram, as far as I know. If it, I mean, they may have pronounced it different, seeing as though it's in a different language. Abram, Abram. Yeah, something like that. So, uh, what verse are we going to be starting with tonight, John Robert? We're going to start with we're going to do we're going to do we're going to do the dirty like we normally do. We're going to read the whole chapter. We're going to start with verse one. Okay, here we go. This is Genesis fifteen. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, "O sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless?" And the one who will inherit my estate is Eliza of Damascus. And Abraham, Abram said, oh. You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him, This man will not be your heir, but a son coming from your own body will be your heir. He took him outside and said, Look up at the heavens and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. Abram believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. He also said to him, I am the Lord, who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to take possession of it. But Abram said, O sovereign Lord, how can I know that I will gain possession of it? So the Lord said to him, Bring me a heifer, a goat, and a ram, each three years old, along with a dove and a young pigeon. Abram brought all these to him, cut them in two, and arranged the halves opposite each other. The birds, however, he did not cut in half. Then birds of prey came down on the carcasses, but Abram drove them away. As the sun was setting, Abram fell into a deep sleep, and a thick and dreadful darkness came over him. Then the Lord said to him, Know for certain that your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own and they will be enslaved and mistreated four hundred years. But I will punish the nation they serve as slaves, and afterward they will come out with great possessions. You, however, will go to your fathers in peace and be buried at a good old age. In the fourth generation your descendants will come back here, for the sin of the Amorites has not yet reached its full measure. When the sun had set and the darkness had fallen, 
a smoking fire pot and a blazing torch appeared and passed between the pieces. On that day the Lord made a covenant with Abram and said, To your descendants I give this land from the river of Egypt, of the great river, the Euphrates, the land of the Kenites, the Kenizzites, Cadmonites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Rephrites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Girgashites, and the Jebusites. And that is the end of Genesis 15. Uh, any any opening thoughts for uh, for Genesis 15? Anything that uh, caught your ears, caught your eyes? One of the things that we see right off the right off the bat is this is three chapters after the promise is made to Abram about him being him blessing the world uh, um, with his with his descendants, and we see that Abram is already worried that he has not had uh, had a kid yet, hasn't had a son. And we can see this isn't. We see acts of faithlessness or people being concerned about what's going on, about how God works, all throughout the Bible. Um, it, it brings up it brings up ideas of Peter in the garden whacking off someone's ear, or John the Baptist sending sending people to Jesus to make sure he is who he is, or you know the or the disciples being surprised that that Jesus has come back. Um, from the dead, but here we we see we see the start of the people of God um, promised to Abram, and then the, we see Abram already being concerned about it. So Abram's so Abram is already concerned about um, about God fulfilling His promise. So, and I, th- I think this is a good backdrop uh, to the story. What stands out to you about the story? Um, I, th- I think what's interesting is, and and just on a personal note, just the interaction that happened between Abram and God. I liked how. I liked how Abram was honest with God, let him know his concerns, like you were pointing out earlier. Um, he's concerned that you know one of his sons was was born of born of uh, or actually I'm sorry, Eliza of Damascus. Um, it wasn't even his son. He said you and Abram's like you've given me no children, so a servant is going to be my heir. Um, and then God God speaks to him. He says no, don't worry about it. You you will have your own heir from your own body. And he takes him outside. I think that's really cool. Just being somebody who's a big fan of nature, you know. See, I wonder how that interaction actually played out, you know, on a on, on a very uh, realistic sense. Like uh, just watching Abram go look at the stars, being led to go look at the stars and and count them, and and you know, God's even being a little bit sarcastic with him. He said, "Go count the stars. That's how many kids you're gonna have. That's how many descendants you're gonna have if you can count them." <laughs> and I'm, I'm sure Abram was kind of overwhelmed and kind of humbled a little bit, but you still see that that Abram believed him, but yet he still had some concerns, and uh, you know he, he's he's worried about being able to take possession of the lamb or, or the land, excuse me. And um, I think that's interesting because that leads right into the covenant, the covenant that that God and Abraham. Abram established between each other. Um, something that's interesting about how these covenants 
worked was you know, have them bring all these animals, and it was a it was a a sacrifice to the to the covenant to the promise that was about to be made, so to speak. But it was an, also an example. Uh, it was an example of what would what was going to happen to them to either party in a covenant if you were to break your end of the covenant. Okay, let me explain a little bit. He took these animals and he split them in two. And it says he set them apart from each other. What you get is an image of this aisle, okay, with animals that are cut in two on either side. And so what you would do when you're making a covenant is that you would pass between that aisle. And what it was was symbolic of, it was a symbolic gesture of, if I am to break my end of the covenant, I'm no better than these animals split in half. You know, I, I am I am an animal split in half, if I if I do not keep up my end of the covenant. Um, John Robert, something that I find is super cool about this story, is that, um, you know, so Abram's out here fighting off the birds from these these carcasses that are split on this aisle, okay. And I guess he'd been doing that for a while, and he fell asleep. Right, what happens after that? is that the sun sets and a smoking fire pot and a blazing torch appeared and it passed between the pieces. But it never said that Abram passed between the pieces. What happened there... Yeah, what happened there is that that God passed through the pieces for both of them. God, God took both ends of the covenant. He said, you keep up your end of the deal... And I'm going to keep up my end of the deal, but guess what? I'm going to pay the price for you even when you do break your end of the deal. Because guess what? They do break their end of the deal. They're not, they're not always faithful to God. They're not always um, counted as righteous towards God, right? Um, and it's kind of symbolic of what happens in the New Testament when, when Christ is, is hung for, uh, for our unfaithfulness to him. But that's just that's just something that that stuck out to me was was how God came down and He passed between the pieces. He passed between those those broken animals and took the punishment punishment for both ends of the promise. Now we know that God's going to keep up His end of the bargain, right? We know that He's 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 going to do that. But He did that for Abram as well and said, even if you break your end of the deal, I'm going to take the punishment for you. Something I, something I like about this too, what what we see is we can, see, since we see this in Genesis 15, we can continue to see God play out his end of the promise. Um, like, Abram, Abram does, Abram does get a son. Like, the people are, are like, taken out of Egypt. Uh, Jesus does come. Like, Abram's seed is a blessing to many nations because of the genealogy that's in place. And then us as Gentiles, we are grafted into into uh, God. So, does God keep up? Does God keep His promises? I, I, th- I think this is a question that this text overall is making us ask: Is does God keep His promises? Because Abram, at the beginning of this text, goes goes, God, are you going to keep your promise? So that is the question that we're asking ourselves. That, now, now, if if Abram is asking this question, the, as a reader, the next thing we, we ask ourselves is, does God keep his promise? And then, and then, and the, the writer of the 
text lets us know that God does. God God takes takes it one step further and makes a covenant, and we see where we're at now. Um, and I, and then we move on. We see the covenant happen. We also see at some point uh, God let Abram know that they're going to spend what? How many years in oppression? Four hundred years. Four hundred years in oppression, and, and we see this happen. So. This is why I think part of the reason I think that this story is here. Um, so when this story is told orally to people, you know, Abraham is worried. Abraham goes, I don't know if God is faithful. And God says, I am faithful. And so next, next, thing, next thing that happens is we go, the people of Israel, not the people of the seed of Abram, the people of Israel are going to be enslaved for 500 years. And the question that they're going to ask ourselves is this, is God faithful? Well, we already, but right here we see that God answers with yes. So this story should say, if Abram made it through this, and God made this promise and this covenant, we can make it through the 500 years of enslavement. Yeah. I completely agree. Um, I like that honesty, that that transparency that God has with with Abram here, letting him know that, hey, I, I am going to bless you with descendants that are greater than the stars, but things aren't always going to be easy. Things are going to be tough. Now, does that mean that God intentionally made things tough for the people? No, it's just that. God's all-knowing, and God, God sees all of these things. He knows that Abram has a lot of concerns about the future and, and how his, his, his descendants are going to play out in history. And God's reassuring him. He says, look, I'm going to keep up my end of the bargain, but guess what? Things are going to be tough. Things, there are going to be times when, when they're going to be enslaved, they're going to be mistreated, they're going to be... But guess what? I'm a just God. The nations that enslave them. I'm going to punish them. And and God's just reassuring him that, that his hand will be over his descendants. He's going to protect them even in times when they're disobedient to God. Even in times when they're where they are going through trials because they are not being faithful to their end of the covenant. And I think that's a that's an interesting part of that story is is not that that God's like Here's here's a great gift that I'm going to give you with your descendants. But guess what? It's uh, you're going to have a lot of descendants, but they're kind of going to get they're going to get smacked. You know, it's not it's not that God's some kind of evil kid on an anthill with a magnifying glass, you know, trying to trying to punish these these descendants of Abram. It's, it's that he's showing his glory to Abram by by showing him that he's all knowing. He he's he has concern for his end of the covenant and and Abram's side of the covenant, and that he's going to make sure that it all works out, so that the end of this story could be told as well. Yes, and, and there's, and, and we'll probably we'll probably get into this a little bit later. And I I think this is something we shouldn't overlook. At some point, the people of Israel spend time in Egypt. Like at some point, even though they're slaves, they're still the people of God. Like people are going to recognize that. Um, they're going to recognize that they are people of a God. They're going to recognize that you know they have a God called Yahweh. And um, the, the enslavement is terrible, but we see good come out of the enslavement because when the people they when they leave Egypt, guess what? 
Egyptians follow him. And I'm not talking about the armies that gets drowned in the sea. I'm, I'm talking about other Egyptians follow him. So how is, how is Abram's seed going to be a blessing to, to all the families on the earth? Well, here's a start with Egypt. Like, he's a blessing to families in Egypt because the families in Egypt get to interact with the, with the people of Yahweh. And they get to they get to uh, follow them out into the promised land or <laughs> going to the promised land. Yeah, I think that's a great point that you bring up. A lot of times, it's hard for us to see or even understand how God shows and expresses His glory. Because I think it, at times we expect it to be at at a high end of the spectrum. Does that make sense? Like yes. We, but but often when we look through history of how God worked through his people, how God worked through throughout history to protect his people, to provide for his people, to make sure that 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 lineage led to Jesus, right? When we look at that, we see that God actually uses really interesting and different ways to show his glory than we might think. You know, we think of we think of God showing his glory in a very very uh grand way maybe like having the most prosperous people having the most uh prosperous nation so to speak but the truth of the matter is that they went through tough times but there was a purpose to it like you said it was to bring other 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 nations like egypt into the family of god into the family of israel too yeah and and i want to say this too i don't think we should be like, oh, woe is Israel, or oh, woe is Christians, because we're not going to be the most blessed on earth. Because, and I say that because God, at some point, became human flesh as Jesus, and came down here and dwelt among us, and died, and rose again, and he established that the kingdom of heaven is going to be on earth. But, so, whatever suffering that we do now is of of no... of of no detail to us because later on we are going to be heirs with him in the new kingdoms in the new earth where uh, God's kingdom is established and ruled all over the earth and there is no other kingdom. So so just because we're in the birthing pains now of his new kingdom doesn't mean that doesn't mean that there is not this grand kingdom to come and that's what Jesus uh, ushered in. Yeah, I think you're right on. I think, uh, yeah, I really don't have anything to add on to that. I feel like that was a good a good little end cap to that. Um, I just yes. did a hand motion for all of you listening. I hope that made more sense. To the, to the average listener, okay, um, not talking about you that are listening, of course, because you are of the uh, utmost of respect and intelligence, but um, to... to <laughs> I'm being facetious, of course. Um, but to the average Christian, like if I was going to show this podcast to someone in my church, maybe who's who hasn't been a Christian for a long time or is or is new to Christianity, how would you describe the significance of this passage of Scripture? Because I think a lot of times what happens in church is we try to extract some sort of some sort of current day meaningful truth from this and and I'm not saying that there isn't but what of what significance is this story to the Christian 
who might not understand how the how the Bible fits together back to front. Does that does that make sense? How would you describe so, that? So how am I gonna describe this story in the grand narrative of things? Yeah. Yeah. Like I would tell I would tell the people that that this part of the story is important because it establishes God's promise uh, God's promise and God's covenant to not only the people of Israel but by establishing his promise to the people of Israel he also establishes his promises to us because as soon as as soon as Abraham Abram as soon as Abram receives this promise we see that he is going his descendants are going to be a blessing to all the families on the earth and so we start tracking this line, this covenant, this promise throughout the Bible. We see time and time again that God is that God continues to fulfill it. And this is good news for you and I, because mm-hmm. as far as I know, I'm not of the family of Israel. So <laughs> that means that that uh, I can also be part of this this covenant as well, uh, being reached by by uh even being an outlier being somebody mm-hmm. who's not who's not of Jewish descent yes and that and that is that is awesome and um do you have anything else to add about this about this text before we uh give people our information uh I really don't have any other information to give you about this this uh specific passage I think it's really straightforward. I will say that I hope that you stay tuned. Um, if you found this a little um, uh, step-by-step, a little detailed, a little kind of peculiar of a story to pick, it, it makes sense. But you're going to have to listen next week to uh, to begin to put the pieces together. Yeah, and and, and at some point, I, I guarantee you, you're, it's going to boop, boop, boop. Because at the, at the end, there there is going to be a grand hoo-ha explaining of all the stories that we've picked and why we've picked them um but so what you should do since this is the very start of this series that zach and i are doing this specific series um you should tell a friend about us uh show them uh where to find us on itunes uh say i got this real cool podcast i want you to listen to grab their iphone find schrodinger's tulip subscribe them to it um you can also follow us on sound on SoundCloud, you can find us on Facebook, where we are the most active. Um, if you if you like this post, comment on it, repost it. If you don't like this post, comment on it, repost it. We want to know what you're thinking about this. Uh, so, Schrodinger's Tulip, Facebook, Twitter, uh, and on iTunes. Find us, and yeah, we'll see you next week. Peace.